Have you heard about the Affiliate Management Expo? It is a free online event dedicated to affiliate program management. It's the first of its kind, and it takes place on February 16th and 17th, 2021, and will have over 20 of the affiliate marketing industry's top thought leaders sharing their strategies and tips to start and grow affiliate programs. Some of the topics to be covered include affiliate recruiting, affiliate activation, influencer strategies, compliance, and much more. Go to www.affiliatemanagementexpo.com forward slash home to secure your free ticket. We look forward to seeing you there. You are listening to the Rick McGinnis Show podcast, where Rick and his guests talk all things affiliate program management. No topics are off limits. Want to learn proven tips and strategies to grow an affiliate program? Look no further. In today's episode, Rick speaks to Jessica Spira. Now here's your host, Rick McGinnis. Enjoy the interview. Welcome back to the Rick McGinnis Show. Today, my guest is Jessica Spira of Ziff Davis. Jessica, good morning. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? It's cold in the East Coast. Yes, it is uh, absolutely freezing here. I took my dog out this morning and it was... Uh, the, the ice usually melts um, after the storm, but it's still here and it's not going anywhere. It's going to be in the, what, the, the teens for the weekend, I think they said? Yeah, I think so. So in the background, you may hear the wind whistling against the windows over here. So I apologize in advance. I'm not in like a studio. <laughs> no, no, I trust me. The, <laughs> these um, these podcasts are are not as formal as as many people think. They're Everyone's working from home. There's dogs, kids, uh, all kinds of things going on in these podcasts that uh, that I, a glass year you probably would have cared about, but now no one really cares. That's true. Well, it's great to be here. <laughs> oh, thank you. So, Jessica, um, just briefly, just um, let everyone know a little bit of the background of who you are and um, how you ended up at uh, Zip Davis. Oh, yeah. So, um, so I am the Vice President of Partner Management and Growth for Ziff Media Group, which is part of Ziff Davis. So Ziff Media Group or ZMG is a portfolio of media sites where our focus is to be the internet's purchase companion. Um, Some of the brands that you may know would be PCMag.com, Mashable, Ask Men, and that's really on the editorial side. And we also have deal and coupon sites such as offers.com, Tech Bargains, Deals of America, and three Black Friday sites. I have been at Ziff about seven years. However, in between, I went actually for 18 months to Wirecutter, which is owned by the New York Times, where I was head of revenue, and then boomeranged back to Ziff two years ago. So I was at Ziff. Wirecutter back at Ziff. I've been in a variety of business development and sort of quasi sales and marketing roles in publishing for my career. So, you know, including um, when it is related to affiliate, probably Bankrate years ago is uh, one of the sites that's more closely related to sort of the affiliate side of the business. And I don't think I even realized I was in affiliate when I was in business development at Bankrate. Anyway, that's a long, long sort of history of, uh, of me, I guess. Well, I appreciate it. And um, I like to do that just so people can understand the backgrounds because everyone's backgrounds are different. Um, not everyone's set out to be in affiliate marketing. They just happen to end up there. And 
that's that, that was my story and uh, a lot of others. So I, I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, no, for sure. At, at Ziff, I was really brought on, and I guess it sort of relates to our conversation around mass media. I was brought on to do content distribution deals and much more traditional business development and audience development. And that was in 2013. And we quickly realized that there was something else going on in the affiliate, in the performance marketing ecosystem that frankly was a lot more interesting and could drive more incremental revenue and more value to the company. So I sort of, my role really morphed to be much more squarely an affiliate. And as Ziff purchased more companies like Tech Bargains and Offers, we became squarely in the performance marketing business. Got it. Okay. So, and that's going to kind of segue into our first topic here, the, the rise of the mass media publishers. So they've obviously saw opportunities and they capitalized on them. And now I think every affiliate program on the planet wants to work with a mass media company just because of the potential exposure it gives them. So what exactly, um, you touched on about you saw opportunities, but what what do you think like caused the rise of this? You just saw the opportunity for additional revenue or, or more uh, editorial opportunities? Just uh, explain to, um, to me a little bit about the rise of the mass media companies. So this is my thinking on it as someone who's observed media and has been in media. You know, traditionally, the digital media companies, and when we talk about mass media, I'm thinking about companies such as Condé Nast, Hearst, Meredith, and Mm -hmm. all of those sort of the traditional magazines from years ago that have gone online. And generally speaking, the digital side was ad supported. So with display advertising and sponsorship at CPMs, and I think as display became more measurable, CPM, there was downward pressure on on CPMs and display revenue. And so I think that publishers were looking for a way to mitigate that and hedge against that downward pressure. You know, there was a rise of programmatic advertising. So for an advertiser, it becomes very efficient to do something programmatically and reduce your costs. So with that, I think these content publishers were looking for a different revenue stream. At the same time, they're publishing what I would call service journalism. So they are writing about what's the best in the health and beauty let's say like, what's the best skincare regimen? What are the best workout clothes? What are the, you know, diet programs you can use or in in technology? What are the best laptops? What are the best Wi-Fi routers? Everyone is writing about this kind of content anyway. And so affiliate becomes a way to monetize that and also a way to provide a service to your readers. You know, if you're writing about something, a product, and you're creating a good review or you're creating interest or discovery awareness, it only makes sense that you allow the reader to actually buy the thing you're talking about. And affiliate also measures performance. So you can see how the content is gaining traction. Is there engagement? Are users clicking on this? Are they converting? What are they buying? And if they're not buying the product that you have driven them to? Are they buying something else? And should you be writing about something else? I think that there is a way that all of this performance data starts to inform some editorial. And I think that's 
that's how this started to increase. I mean, I'll tell you when I was starting at Ziff and I went to some of the affiliate conferences, there were publishers there, obviously, but they were primarily the deal and the coupon publishers. I felt like I was one of the few content publishers who were there. And now when you go, or now we're not going, but like a year ago or a year and a half ago, when you would go, all of the major players are there with commerce groups talking to advertisers and talking very smartly to advertisers about the affiliate programs. And I I do think that this influx of a different set of publishers has helped the industry. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that 100%. And um, I think because they provide such great content and they, they do such a good job of writing about these brands that everyone wants to get on board. And, and I don't see that changing. I just see it getting, getting larger and larger. And obviously with, um, with, with your company, they, if they see a property they want to pursue, they'll probably uh, look into acquiring it so that they can have it under their umbrella. And I think that's what's happening. A lot of mergers and acquisitions in this, in this piece of the business as well. For sure. I mean, I think in media in general, and also in, in this area, in this sector of the business, definitely. No, that's it's it's only going to benefit the industry, as you said. Um, so I'm going to switch gears a little bit. So brands want to want to have uh, content featured by uh, companies like yours. Who are the people within these um, media groups, media these media publishers that uh, affiliate managers and performance marketing teams need to know? about like not specifically who they are, but like just kind of like a, like a basic hierarchy of, of who they'd be dealing with and, and who, who makes the decisions on what? Yeah. So I think it first makes sense to sort of take a step back and just talk about editorial and in these companies, generally speaking, because I think that if you aren't living in it, sometimes people don't know sort of the mandates that go across the company. And one of them that's really important is that generally in these mass media publications is the separation of editorial and business really is like a church and state situation. So generally speaking, the business side cannot influence what editorial writes. They are independent. It's really important, I think, for advertisers and agencies to understand that, that there is an independence in editorial And that's going to be very important because that speaks to the integrity of the digital publication of the brand. And when a brand loses integrity, then readers lose trust. For an editorial publication, your client, so to speak, is your audience. We need to make sure that the audience and the reader trusts us. Otherwise, our recommendations are meaningless that I think needs to be set and established. So there's the business side, there's the editorial side. Now, when someone on the affiliate side wants to reach out, I think there are two ways that this seems to happen. Sometimes PR, a PR agency of the brand or the PR arm of the brand can actually, you know, reach out to an editor and say, will you review this product? That it's the editor's decision to review it or not. We stay out of that. There are times at ZMG, and I can really, you know, I can speak to ZMG and sort of more accurately, where a brand may reach out and say, can, can this be reviewed? And we take a look at the brand, what it's about. And one, I think we need, you need to make sure 
does this brand align with our brands? So for example, PC Mag is not gonna review mascara. I don't care how high the, I mean, mascara is a bad example because it's a low AOV, but like, I don't care how high the commission rate is. If it's not in sort of the editorial, you know, scope, we're not going to review it. Doesn't matter. So that's, so that's one thing. Make sure that the brand that you've got is going to align somehow with the publisher brand. That's one. Two, if you reach out to us and we say, oh, okay, it's a new Wi-Fi router. Perfect. That aligns with our brand. We review Wi-Fi routers. What we do is we are able to talk to editorial and we can make a suggestion. We can say, this brand would like a review. Then our hands are off of it. It's absolutely up to the editorial team to decide, am I going to review this product or not? Do I have the resources? Is it interesting? Do I like it? Is there something new I can say about it that's meaningful? And our analysts at PC Mag and the, and the journalists at Mashable take what they're doing very, very seriously. So they can choose to review it or not. And then they can choose how they review it. So gets a great review. Well, that's fantastic. Everyone is happy. Gets a bad review. Well, I mean, that's the way it is. There's nothing that the business side can do to influence that level of editorial. Does that make sense to you? Because then I can talk about how we can sort of work with other brands, but that's primarily how this works. No, and that's good because you you would think that I, I'm sure you get it all the time. Brands just throwing high commissions or extra money at you just to review it. So that's just um, it's good to know that it's literally separated business and editorial. It's just uh, they're two two different arms, and one can't influence the other. And that's that's good to know. And and, and people and brands need to understand that that they they can't just buy their way in. That's correct. You really can't when it, when you're talking about native editorial. And I would say like, there are companies or are mass media companies that are, you know, where they have a special commerce editorial group that is separate from their general editorial group. You know, we have that in a quasi sort of way, but again, we all, they adhere to editorial standards. The one way where we can work with brands where maybe there wouldn't be coverage naturally or organically is through sponsored content. And again, the brand should align with the with the publisher brand and the publisher story, or it just won't it won't resonate with the audience. It won't make a lot of sense. We're pretty creative about finding a way in, but that is where a brand can work with us if this wasn't going to get um, reviewed naturally. And there is a cost to that, and I think that that is what a lot of advertisers don't always get. That we will not necessarily run that purely on performance we'll need a flat fee associated with that because for us, there's a cost. We're hiring someone to create content, to, you know, design the page. And then we amplify the page to make sure that we get eyeballs there. And so in order to do that, it's not just on performance, especially with a new brand where we're not entirely sure how it's going to perform. In that case, I think it's really incumbent on publishers and advertisers or agencies to have a very honest conversation about managing expectations and what content can do for a brand and what the expectations and the KPIs are. I mean, I think if everyone's aligned, it works well. If, if you know, there's some expectation that this content piece of content will perform like a cashback offer, then we've got a lot of misalignment and what works and what doesn't. 
No, this is this is actually good information that I'm sure uh, a lot of brands are hearing for the first time that it's just good to know and you got to have expectations going into this and, and you can't just uh, expect someone to purely work on performance when when there's a, a lot of work and probably in, in reality thousands of dollars on the back end getting it all set up being spent so it, it it's it's something that I think more education needs to be brought to the brands and, and even agencies for that matter about working with companies like yours so that you don't waste each other's time either because time is very valuable and going back and forth only to find out that the brand thought they were getting X and it doesn't work like that. It's, it could really um, save a lot of people, a lot of headaches. For sure. And, and we don't want to do, I mean, we want to make sure that we are serving our readers but we also want to serve our brand partners. And, and so mm-hmm. I don't want ever to get into a situation, you know, where the brand merchant partner feels like their expectation was not met by what we were able to do. You know, I just think that aligning early, having those conversations up front makes this a lot easier for them. You know, the one, like the thing that's so beneficial though about content is that it lives on. And there are great things about deals and coupons. We have those sites too. And I think like a full strat, like a great affiliate strategy is to have that sort of top to bottom funnel 360 approach to marketing, right? Where you're getting the awareness and discovery at the top of the funnel and you have coupon and deal closer to the, the bottom of the funnel, but you have a range. You know, what content allows you to do is one, it stays up, it's alive. A deal will expire. A piece of content that explains your brand, that allows you to tell a story in the voice of the publisher, so it feels very native and engaging, stays around for a long time. We can amplify it. The brand partner can amplify it. And there is a lot of value in that evergreen piece of content that allows a brand to tell a story that maybe can't be told in a line or two especially if there's a new product launch, if something is a little more complex, if there's a message that they need to get out. I mean, we saw this even around the holidays, just messaging how to shop, the buy online, pick up in store or pick up at the curb, making sure that consumers understood from various brands, like what, how to shop safely We saw a lot of content success, branded content success in programs like that over over the holidays where a lot of the focus is on deals. This was a lot of content around shopping safely. So it can be a variety of things. It can be a product. It can be something about the store, how to shop. We had success early in the pandemic where brands wanted to tell a story about how they were dealing with the pandemic. So there's a lot that you can do with content. No, absolutely. Um, you, you've summarized that pretty well. And feeding off of that, the content piece of it, brands are now using companies like um, like Ziff Media for content, you know, part of their strategy. So do you see that increasing on your end? You see a lot more brands, instead of doing it internally, they, they kind of, in a way, outsource it to you. And, uh, and so they increase your presence, get in front of different audiences and, and things like that. Absolutely. So I think where we've been very successful, and I see this trend in the industry, is that we partner with our display sales team to create 
a full funnel approach. So we approach merchants, especially merchants who are looking at their marketing program holistically to mm -hmm. say, you know, let's bundle an opportunity for you where you can use and leverage our branded content expertise and our amplification expertise, as well as employ some of the traditional lower funnel commerce tactics and create a real holistic program that drives awareness and also drives sales. We see a lot of interest in that from our brand partners. And, and we're doing some pretty cool things. I mean, we've got sort of virtual experiences that we're doing, which again, is a combination of content at the top of the funnel, discovery and awareness. And we layer in email or deal posts or calls to action across organic content to create a more robust marketing plan. And, and what I'm seeing is that there are some brands, merchant partners, who are embracing this strategy internally. Those are obviously the easy, you know, so it's an easier process when they have combined their marketing budgets and their marketing teams and are looking at things holistically the way we are. But I see this as a trend and I think it's important. I mean, why just bifurcate the marketing spend and have it's only affiliate, it's only affiliate, it's only brand, it's only brand. They should work together. They're complementary. And I think that we do that in a really nice way. No, and it, it seems like a, like a no-brainer, but the, the brands have to understand that they got to allocate funds to these type of projects and, and make sure that they're they're helping out in the process too, because uh, it, it can't work in a silo. You, you, you can't just do it on your own. You need the brand's input. And, and it's, it goes with managing an affiliate program too. You can't just hire someone just to manage the affiliate program and and not be there to help them. So, so it, it takes the, the, the marriage of the publisher, like you guys, and then the brands to, to make sure that it's uh, what they're really looking for too. Totally. And I think honestly, just on sort of just the business side of things, like it's more fun. I think it's more fun and, and more creative to work on a full suite of solutions with a merchant partner than doing the same old thing. Like I just find that when we collaborate like this on our side and also on the brand side, it's just a fun process. And I think we're doing a good service. We're, we're providing something for the advertiser that elevates their program and allows them to move merchandise as well as create awareness. And, you know, we're satisfying the readers with a good experience. Like we don't want to put out a shoddy experience and turn off the readers just to make a buck. We need to do the whole thing properly. And I think when you look at it more holistically like this, it's just more, it's more fun to work on. Yeah. And it also comes down to a relationship. You're, you want to build a relationship with the brand and the brand in turn wants to build a relationship with, with you as well. So the more you can collaborate and work together, the stronger the relationship's going to be over time, and they're, they're going to trust you in, in in what you're going to present to them and, and offer them, so that the exposure can increase and, and, and things like that. So it's it's really a, like a no brainer, and I, that's where I see this whole thing going. I see the whole relationship strengthening, and then that gives everyone more opportunities. A hundred percent. And as you know, everyone says when you get into the affiliate world, they're like, this is all based on relationships. This is a relationship business. I mean, I think all businesses are relationship businesses, but it's true. And I think that building upon that trust and building on testing first, seeing what works, then iterating on that is a fun and rewarding process. 
No, absolutely. I had a conversation with um, Todd Crawford of Impact uh, yesterday, and we were talking about the relationship piece and how brands are uh, not always eager to reach out to their affiliates and find out what's wrong or what they can do better. And that, that's something that needs to be done. The brands need to reach out to these um, publishers and find out what they're doing with other brands that are working. They don't have to t- tell them exactly what the brand is or things like that, but just find out what tactics are working, what strategies are, are they're using so that the brands can move towards that and try those out too. So it's like a give and take kind of you, you go to your affiliates for, for concerns and questions and, and then they'll help you on the, on the other side by promoting you and, and making you money. For sure. And we, we do that. I, I think that our partner team is very good about doing that. And so we, without revealing who it is, we will say we've seen success when a brand or a competitor to yours or someone in your sector has done XYZ. We saw these kinds of results. We're good about doing that. I think that's important. At the same time, I think it's important for publishers, for the affiliate to go to the brands and um, the agencies and the networks and say, hey, where could we be better? What would you like to see from us? How should we be improving our product? How should we be improving our client management? What are other publishers doing that, you know, where we're missing the boat? I mean, I did that when I came back to Ziff, interviewed a bunch of people. We just sent out, um, we had surveys, not really a survey, so to speak, but individual um, meetings, you know, one-on-one with various clients to under, mm-hmm. to get, to get real feedback. That's important. I want to make sure that we're doing the best job possible for our partners. And I don't take any kind of feedback personally. This is just like, let's improve. And I think that both sides find that very satisfying also, right? Because it's a partnership. We're in this, sounds so trite, you're in this together, but you are, right? You know, and and I think having direct feedback fosters a better partnership. 100% agree. This is, I'll be honest with you, Jessica, this has been one of the um, the most uh, enlightening conversations I've had on my podcast uh, in, in almost a year. This has been absolutely phenomenal. I appreciate that. Well, thank you. This has been a lot of fun. Oh, Jessica, so you work for Ziff Media, obviously. So where can the people listening learn more about you and in Ziff Media? Well, I guess you could look me up on LinkedIn or you can um, reach out to me at <laughs> jessica.spira. S is in Sam, P-I-R-A at ZiffMedia.com. Perfect. That is it from us here uh, on the Rick McGinnis Show. I I appreciate it again, Jessica, and uh, I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Sounds great. It was a pleasure. We want to hear what you thought about this episode. You can email Rick directly at rick at bearcatmedia.com or leave a review where you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe because new episodes will be released every Wednesday. And hey, Rick is hosting a virtual event in February that you won't want to miss. The Affiliate Management Expo will be held February 16th and 17th, 2021. This is a free online event for brands looking to grow or start an affiliate program. Over 25 affiliate marketing thought leaders will be sharing their tips and strategies to grow and start affiliate programs. Go to affiliatemanagementexpo.com home to reserve your free ticket today. Thank you for listening to the Rick McGinnis Show podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and wherever podcasts are available. To learn more about Rick, go to bearcatmedia.com. 